I want to speak a message to you that I call a new season. This is really a call to our church, Austin Alive Church. So if you're watching online today and you go to another church, don't tune out. I want you to know that many of the things I'm going to talk about today apply to you and to your church as well. But I wanted to specifically and prophetically address our church today. What does it mean prophetically? It means that I believe God has put something on my heart to tell us, to give us a word that we can hold on to, that we can use to launch us into something new. Amen. Last week, Joseph preached a message called Rebuilding the Church, and it was really a wake-up call. It was a wake-up call to our church, a call to action for our church. He talked out of the book of Haggai, and Haggai uh, was a prophet who lived during a time when the Jews, God's people, were under bondage, and their temple, the place where they went together together and worshiped God and sacrificed to God, that place had been torn down and was left in rubbles. It was just a mess, and they had become so used to living without a local assembly what they did is they just got used to living in their own little lives, their own little living in the flesh. They went to work. They bought stuff for their houses. They enjoyed things of the earth. How many of you know what I'm talking about? God's house had become last on the list of priorities, as Joseph said last week. Last week was a call to put our local church back on our list of priorities. Come on, somebody in the house today. I hope you're hearing what the Spirit is saying today. God's people have always been responsible for the building, the maintenance, and the health of their local assembly. Amen? We have always been responsible for it. Now, some people will say, well, if, you know, if it's God's house, God will send money down from heaven. Well, you know how God sends money? He sends money through people. And you know what he does when he sends money through you? He blesses your finances as well. Amen? You know, the reason you got that uh, promotion at work or that raise at work or that job period is because somewhere down the line, you allowed God to funnel through you and you blessed other people. Come on. No longer can the church look at the local assembly and say it's a pastor's job to do it. Come on, I'm preaching straight this morning. Let the leaders do it. I'll just show up and I'll uh, listen to what they have to say, consume the ministry, and then go home and let them worry about it. No, this is a call for you and I to step up and step out and do our part to make Austin Live Church a great church. Praise God. You know, and as I look at the people here today, I see that many of you are doing that and have done that and continue to give and continue to work and continue to pray and continue to, to make this church what it is. And I am so appreciative of that, but we need more, amen. We need more people on board with us because we're living in a day when there are an increasing number of Christians today who don't belong to a local church at all. It's causing the most ridiculous doctrines out there. If you're on social media and you see people giving their opinion on the Bible and you just realize that there's been no teaching, people are just making stuff up as they go, they, they, they aren't grounded in the word, they're trying to shape the Bible to fit their life and what they think about stuff. Come on, are you with me today? It's causing behavior problems, doctrinal problems, lifestyle problems, Christians without a local church is producing people who make God into their own image. They throw out the Bible in favor of feel-good slogans and love as an excuse for every kind of conduct that the flesh might desire. 
It's Christianity when I feel like it and how I feel like it. And I came to tell somebody that ain't how it's done. You don't just bring God into your world. No, you're living in his world. He's the one who sets the tone and sets the rules, sets the way it's done. And we're to step into that, being obedient to the word and to the spirit. Yes, the disconnected Christian who doesn't belong to a body of believers is growing weaker and weaker by the day. Why? Because the local church matters. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. The local church matters. It doesn't just matter to the kingdom of God. It doesn't just matter to America. It doesn't just matter to social issues. It matters to you. Hallelujah. I need to tell you today that you need the local church. The local church is a body of believers who come together wherever they meet, whenever they meet, but they come together in a covenant relationship with one another. Under leadership, there is a structure involved in it. There is a, a, a thing called fellowship that you need. A lot of people say, well, you know, I can be a Christian without going to church. Well, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you'll be a Christian out of God's will because if you read the New Testament, what you find is that they met together in a local assembly. They fellowshiped with one another. And, and let me tell you something. Some people are thinking, well, I fellowship online. You know, I, I fellowship online. And online is great. That's wonderful. And I'm, I'm grateful that we had it during the quarantine seasons. And we're online right now. It's a wonderful thing. But what happens when the companies that run all of Facebook and all of these things decide that they don't want your Christian content on there anymore? How are you going to fellowship online then? What's going to happen then? I came to tell you, you and I need to be together as much as possible. We need the fellowship. We need the teaching of the word of God. That's what you get in your local assembly. You say, well, I can listen to sermons online. You, you can listen to sermons from this guy who says, let go. And this guy over here next week preaches a sermon saying, hold on. And you don't know what to think because you're getting messages from all kinds of different places. Now, I listen to sermons online all the time. But you need a place to go where there is a teacher who is teaching you steady and accountable doctrine of the word of God. You need it. If the Bible called some to be teachers, then he called most to be students. Come on, somebody. Come on, say, I'm a student. I'm a student of the word of God. I need to be taught. You need fellowship. You need teaching. You need accountability. Oh, now the rubber meets the road now. Here's a sign of maturity. When you know you need accountability. When you know that left to your own devices, you do dumb things. And that when people are watching you and you're accountable to not only people in authority, but just your fellow church members, you're accountable to them. It helps you do what you need to do. Because let me tell you a little secret. You're still living in the flesh. You're, you've been changed on the spiritual side, but you still got a flesh and a mind that does dumb things. Come on. Am I alone? And you need help. You need accountability in your life. You get that at the local church. You need atmosphere, praise God. I dare to say you wouldn't get the atmosphere you're having right now if you were at home, uh, you know, watching the pregame of the football season or something like that. You wouldn't get the same atmosphere if you're running off to the club or if you're sleeping. You wouldn't be feeling the Spirit of God. There's something about when two or three come together and begin to worship God together that the Spirit manifests himself in a way that we can't deny and we need it. Come on. We need it. Hallelujah. You need fellowship, teaching, accountability, atmosphere, and you need leadership. Come on. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, you're just saying that because you're a pastor. Or maybe. Maybe I believe what the Bible says about the local church. 
And I followed a pastor myself for a long period of time until God put me here. Maybe I'm here because I believe what the Bible says about the local church. Do you know the Bible gives the local church a leadership structure to follow? Come on. Do you know the Bible, ship, the Bible gives the leaders of the local church a plan for correcting people? Now, I know a lot of people just there mentally, they just walked right out the door because they're like, nobody's correcting me. Nobody's telling me when to come, when to give and, and what to do. Nobody's going to get into my life. Well, see, there you go again. You don't want to be accountable. Therefore, you'll never be everything God wants you to be. But if you belong to a local assembly of believers, there is a leadership structure looking out for you. Let me ask you a question. Everybody in here and out there, who is your shepherd? I know Jesus is the, the, the number one good shepherd, but he has under shepherds. Who is your shepherd? Who, who is looking out for your soul? Who is praying for you? If you're bouncing from church to church, listen, if you come to my church once or twice a year, I, you're, I'm not your shepherd. You may think of me that way, but I, I don't see you that way because I don't see you enough or interact with you enough to know whether or not uh, what's going on in your life and what you need. Amen? Come on. Who is your shepherd? If you don't have a real answer, let me, let me give it to you another way. If someone in your family passed away, who would preach the funeral? You know, I get calls all the time from people that don't go to my church who need a pastor. And I think to myself, bless them, Lord, they don't have a shepherd. And I'll step in and I'll do it because I love to help people. I love to do that. I don't mind doing that. Who's your shepherd? If you're going to get married, if your kids are going to get married, who are you going to call? Come on. If you don't have somebody to call, if there isn't a name that comes to your head, you don't have a shepherd. You got several of them here, uh, me and Joseph and Brother Avery and Sister Avery and Buddy and Bonnie and, and Harold, uh, all here today to help you and minister to you, leaders here to encourage you because the local church matters. I came to tell somebody, Austin Alive Church exists for your benefit, amen. We're not trying to grow something to put my name on anything. If they forget who I am, that's all right. As long as Jesus is glorified, hallelujah, that's what matters. You need this body of believers. This place is the soil that nurtures your growth. Church is not a building. It's not a service time. It's a group of people in covenant relationship. And together we create a soil in which you can grow. You need it. Come on. And it's just like a lot of things. The flesh doesn't want to go to church. The flesh doesn't want to volunteer. The flesh doesn't want to give. Come on. The Bible says the flesh is always contrary to the spirit. The reason that you don't want to get up in the morning and come to church, and, and now you don't even have to get up real early, do you? But the reason you don't want to is because the flesh doesn't want to do the right thing. Come on. But you know what? The Holy Spirit gives us discipline. And we make ourselves do the right thing. And when we do, it helps us become who we're called to be. Come on. You know, when you were born physically, you were not born alone. You were born into a family. And when you're born again, you're not born alone. You're born into a family. It's the family of God. Come on. It's the family of God. You're a part of us. And God has called us to this local assembly, to this group of people. It is his plan for our nurturing and our growth. You see, the Jews in Haggai's day couldn't worship as before, so they gradually began to abandon the local assembly altogether. They got used to life without being at a place of worship on a regular basis. The times in which we live, we were under quarantine, may have caused some people to behave in the same way. Now listen, quarantine, it was just a thing, and, and we don't know what the future holds. There's many places right now that can't be at church 
Today, they have to be at church online because their local government or their state government has told them they can't meet uh, right now because of the, the next uh, growth that's coming up. And, and I'm not here to preach a message about, you know, if you, if you miss church for uh, quarantine that you're, you don't have any faith. Uh, of course not. That's, you know, that's an individual church's decision. Come on. And that's also your individual decision. Some people aren't here today because their, their choice is that they need to stay home and watch online because maybe they're susceptible or they're not feeling well. And that's, that is perfectly fine. So I'm not here to get political or talk about anything like that. I'm just here to say that during the quarantine season, it may have caused some of us to disconnect from the local church disconnect from the local assembly you don't realize it it becomes farther away in your view come on let me tell you something this is going to burst some of your bubbles but uh, some people tell me i watched you online did you know facebook tells me when you're watching online did you know that so before before you tell me that you watch me online i see some of you for like five seconds and then you're gone you want to see what you know joe rogan said or something like that come on it becomes easy to get disconnected, and the local church, Austin Life Church, gets farther and farther in your view, and you're not even realizing that you're drifting away from responsibility. What happens is people start sleeping in. They get comfortable. They stop giving to the church. There's no one here to give an altar call and talk about seed faith, and there's no one here to, to tell you how God's going to bless you, and so the giving begins to decrease People stop working for the, for the kingdom and stop working for the Lord. They get in the habit of go, getting up and going to their place of business and uh, doing their thing and paying their bills and having some time of leisure for themselves. And they're just trying to get by, but they've stopped working, not just for the church, but for the kingdom of God in general. They've stopped caring, period, about how the church is doing and how the health of the church is. How many of you, honestly, don't raise your hand, but think to yourself, how many of you had a thought about the church during quarantine and thought to yourself, well, Pastor Avery was taking care of it. Come on. Think about it. Someone else is, someone else is praying. Someone else is giving. Someone else is doing the work. I came to tell you, you are someone else. You are the one responsible. God put you in this position so that you would step up. Let me tell you something. The Jews had gotten comfortable taking care of themselves, and God's house had become second in their lives. You know, I grew up uh, among a family and a generation of people that had two homes and, and I don't mean they had a vacation home. We didn't have a vacation home. You know, you know what the two homes were? You had your home and you had God's house where you went to church and knew you were accountable to that church. And if it needed clean, you cleaned it. And then if it needed extra money, you sacrificed and gave it. And if they called revival and it was happening every night of the week, you went to work, got off work, and went straight to church, and the kids slept on the floor, and you did whatever was necessary because you had two homes. Come on. We need a generation of people who start thinking of the local church like it's your second home and you're responsible for it. Glory to God. They had gotten comfortable living just for themselves and God called them out. And I'm here today. If it's you, God's calling you out. Listen, if it ain't you, take your shovel and just shovel it behind you. Somebody else will pick it up. They need it. But if it's you, if the shoe fits and I'm talking to you, God is calling you out today. Come on, somebody needs to say amen. Churches have seasons to them. Do you know that? Do you know that? Churches have seasons. They start, and there's this energy in the beginning, and there's usually younger people and, and stuff 
going on in the neighborhood fits the church that they're in. There's all these measurements that you can look at for churches, and they're almost always on the dot. Now, there's some exceptions, but they're almost always on the dot. And there's this energy at the beginning, and there's growth, and then there's a period of stability where the church becomes established, and it's doing its thing for a period of time. But as the neighborhood changes and people grow older, it starts to die off, and churches usually have a death. And now that can be, they can be renewed or rejuvenated when the congregation brings in new young people. Or maybe they get a a different pastor or they move locations or there's lots of different things that happen that cause a church to go into a new seasons. If you've been here a while, you know that since 2004, I've been the pastor of this church and uh, we were at the other location, the Austin Revival Center, and we were there for many years and 14 years, I believe, about that we were at that location and, you know, uh, God blessed us there. Can you remember how God grew the church and how we had lots of people come and and visit, how we had people saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, how we had miracles, how we had work days and we completely changed the inside of the sanctuary, how God blessed us and used us in those 14 years. I'm so grateful for those 14 years. Some people will say, Pastor, it looks to me like you just forgot all about it. No, I haven't forgot about it. I'm grateful for it, but I'm not living back there either. Because let me tell you something, nostalgia can't save a soul. Come on. It's today. We had a season at the, scout, at the center on Dean, and then we moved to the Scout Center for a couple years, two or three years. We were at the Scout Center. We were loading stuff in. We were loading stuff out. Come on. And if you did it and you moved the tables and you moved the chairs, you know how hard it was, how difficult it was. We had a a season at the Scout Center. And let me tell you what that season was for. God was reshaping us. He was taking some of the stuff that we'd had on our hearts and on our minds and dropping it off of us. Can I tell you something? When God starts to rebuild your life, the first thing he does is cut out the junk that's been attached to you. Come on, there's some stuff in our thinking about how to do church and how to relate to people and all of that at the leadership that I myself needed to have drop off of me so God could shape me for the future. Come on, can I tell you something? What worked in the 70s don't work anymore. Used to, it was church was like uh, the movie. You know, if you build it, they will come. Just build a nice building and have a pastor with a suit on and people will show up on Sunday morning. It don't work that way anymore. Churches are doing anything and everything to get people through the doors. I'm thinking about learning how to juggle. Would y'all come if I juggled on Sunday? If I wore a football helmet, would you come? If we had the game on, uh, you know, like Chili's does on the sides, would you come? It's really gotten that way because what worked yesterday don't work today. And we've got to be willing to change. And so God took us through a reshaping at the Scout Center, and then we hit quarantine. And we didn't have any choice. The scout center shut us out. We couldn't even have church there if we wanted to. But not only that, a lot of people were sick, and we've even lost some people in this church to COVID. What a devastating thing. It's been a rough two years. Can I tell you what God was doing during quarantine? I'm going to hit you with it. He was testing us. He was testing us to see whether or not we hold on to him or not. Whether we're hungry enough for him that when we can't come together uh, for a period of time that we'll still love him, we'll still pursue him, we'll still work for him, we'll still give. He was testing us to see when we lost people that we love. Oh, I tell you, I'd love to see Sister Alice sitting right there right now. And if she was alive, she'd be right here today. He was testing us to see if we lose someone we love, will we still continue on? He was testing us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Yes, these past two years have been difficult. Our church has gone through a difficult season. Some have left. Some have just stopped going to church altogether. But I want to tell you good news. God only needs a remnant. You see, when they started to rebuild the temple of God in the book of Haggai, they didn't have everybody come back. In fact, most people didn't, but he had a remnant. All he needs is a handful of people. All he needs is a handful of people to start something wonderful. And I'm here to tell you today, you and I are a remnant that God's about to use to do something big. Hallelujah. I have been determined in these past few years since we left Dean Avenue not to become impatient and try to force things to happen. I know enough to know that I don't know enough. I know me well enough to know that my great wisdom, smart decision-making, and good looks aren't going to get us anywhere. I know that. We determined that when we followed God on this journey, it was going to have to be God. It was either him or we were going to fall flat on our faces. So I have waited through the times when people said, make something happen, Pastor. Why aren't you making something happen? Why don't we have a building? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Well, because I'm waiting on the Lord. I waited and I waited, waited for something to be stirred. And in the fall of 2021, I began to feel God stirring my spirit that something was about to happen. Something was about to change. Joe and I talked about it. We both felt the same way. Kathy and I talked about it. We both felt the same way, that it wasn't the same anymore. God was going to do something different. And it wasn't about a building. Come on. It wasn't about a building. It was about a season. You see, Austin Life Church is entering into a new season. That's what I came to tell you today. It's a time of planting, a time of building, a time of blazing new trails. It's a time for us to start a new season. Can you say praise God? This is a new season for us, not just because we're in a new location, but because it's God's time to bring us into a new season. We're starting with the ability to do amazing things in Christ. Now, I can't tell you everything about this new season. People would say, well, where are you going to meet? And what's your building going to look like? And who's going to be this leader? And who's going to do that? I can't answer those questions for you. God will help us sort that out. But I can tell you some things that I know are going to mark this new season. One, there is going to be powerful prayer. If we're not a church of prayer, we might as well give up right now. Let's go home and give it up. But if we're a church that believes God and we pray, and we, we're the kind of people that pray because we know God moves mountains when we pray, hallelujah, we're the kind of people who pray because we know if you don't pray, mountains grow themselves, come on. This church will be marked by prayer. This new season will be marked by prayer. We're going to touch the heavens with the power of prayer. And God is going to do amazing things because we have a church that gets down on our knees and prays. This new season is going to be marked by true salvation. People whose lives are transformed from the inside out. People who have an experience with God and are never the same again. Not people who come to church for a while and enjoy it and make new friends. No, I mean people who contact God in such a way that they're brought to life. Hallelujah. It's going to be marked by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues and interpretations, miracles taking place. I'm believing God for healings to take place among our people in this building, in your homes, when we pray online and pray together. I'm telling you today, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to work in this place. 
This new season will be marked by discipleship. That means people will grow. They won't just come to church on Sunday, but they'll take it with them when they go, and it'll affect their homes and their families. It'll affect their jobs and their schools. It's going to impact every area of their life. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be marked by evangelism. Evangelism simply means we go out into the world and we tell them the truth about Jesus. We're not afraid to do something and we're not too lazy to do something, but we'll schedule days and we'll live a lifestyle in which we head out into our world and we talk to folks about the living God and we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That it's not a church that's just the same old people, but new people are coming because the congregation has a heart for those people out there in the world. Hallelujah. Last week was a call to rebuild the church. Thank you, Joe, for being obedient to God's spirit. This week, I want to tell you how. In Haggai chapter 1, stick with me. I know this is a little long, but stick with me today. This is very important. Haggai chapter 1, in the second year of Darius the king. And on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai and to Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much but harvested little. You eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns wages, well, those wages are put into a purse that has holes in it. He's talking to a people who have forgotten about their local assembly. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it becomes little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land and on the mountains and on the grain and on the new wine, on the oil and what the ground produces, on men and on cattle and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the leader, the son of Shiltiel, and Joshua, the other leader, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, the leaders and all the people. Have you caught that? They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. Come on, somebody. God is saying, I am with you. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Did you catch what's going on there? They had gotten comfortable. They had drifted away like we people do. Come on. 
Come on. And the Holy Spirit was loving enough and kind enough to send the man of God to stir them up and to remind them, hey, look at this place over here. We need to get back to doing what God called us to do. There's a new season. I'm about to do something new in your midst, and I want you to come back to it, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you what they did that helped them rebuild the temple. Number one, it says they obeyed. That means they repented. You know what repentance means? A lot of people think this deep theological stuff. Repentance simply means stop doing what you're not supposed to be doing and start doing what you're supposed to be doing. Come on. When they obeyed the, the voice of the Lord, they were repenting. They were saying, God, we, you're right. We haven't been doing what you want us to do, and we're ready to obey you now. We're ready to do what you called us to do. And it wasn't just the leaders. It was the people in the pews. It was the average person out there. It was those people. Come on. They obeyed, and it says in verse 13 through 15, they were stirred. Something happened within them. Oh, if I could get anything in you today, it was that you need to be stirred. Let the Holy Spirit stir you today. Let him just mess you up on the inside. Let him break down some of the stuff that's been holding you back. Come on. I want you to know I have been stirred. God has been stirring my soul for a couple months now, and I don't know what's about to break loose, but I know God is doing some big things. Hallelujah. Glory be to his name. Come on. They obeyed. They repented. They were stirred. They knew something was about to happen, and they wanted to be a part of it, and they prayed. They prayed. Prayer is the water. That nurtures the growth. Without prayer, everything we do, if we give food to the hungry, it's got to be done with prayer. If we have service on Sunday morning, it's got to be done with prayer. If we give an altar call, it's got to be done with prayer. Whatever we do, it's got to be prayed over and soaked in prayer today. Prayer is the key that's going to move heaven on our behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something, church? When we pray here in the house of God, angels are dispatched to areas. Glory to be to the name of the Lord. Demons are put down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray and things are going to change. They prayed and they worked. Ministry is work, church. Ministry is work, church. That means we've got to roll up our sleeves and get busy. Some of us are going to have to get here early and set stuff up. Some of us are going to have to take stuff down. Some of us are going to have to do events and uh, uh, minister to people. Some of us are going to have to get up in the, in the morning hours and go to a friend in need who, who is discouraged and needs a friend with him. Come on. Somebody's going to have to do the work. Somebody's going to have to do the work. Come on. I want to know, is anybody here that's ready to do the work of the Lord? The Bible says of these people that the people had a mind to work. They were ready to get something done. Church, I pray that you have a mind to work. They prayed, they worked, and they gave. It cost them something. They gave of themselves, and it cost them something. And they did amazing things for Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. God is telling us today, you think you don't have enough. But can I tell you something? That God can take any little gift that you have and make it enough. Hallelujah. I always put it this way. You know, when you're the one giving $5, it doesn't seem like much. But when you're broke and ain't got gas in your car and somebody walks up to you and gives you $5, it ain't just $5. It's the love that comes with it. Hallelujah. Come on. Stop thinking I don't have anything to give. They had their time. Come on. They had their talent. Come on. Some of you may not have a lot of money, but you got a gift. 
You can encourage people. You can persuade people. There are people. Oh, my man, Tony. He's not here today. I ain't seen him in a while. But Tony, you know, when Tony came to our church and came to the Lord, you know what gift he had? He brought people to church. He had a big family and he brought people to church. What a great gift. Some of you have a gift and you need to give it to the Lord. They gave him their time, their talent, and they gave him their treasure. Come on. Come on, we're blessed people. Come on, everybody today has got one of these phones. Some of you uh, got the latest iPhone that, you know, does everything. It even juggles, and I don't. <laughs> it does everything for you, you know, and it, we, we're a blessed nation. Even the poorest of us are blessed enough to give. Come on, somebody. And I don't just mean on Sunday morning in the bucket. I mean give to your neighbor, give to your family. You know what's going to happen when we become a giving church, even to our people around us? God's going to bless us with more money. God's going to bless you with more money. He's going to bless our church with more money. Hallelujah. They prayed, they worked, they gave. And here's one that's going to be really important. They fought to overcome. Don't think that the devil is just out of the way right now. He's about to get serious and come after us with all of his might. He's going to try to bring sickness on us, but we know the one who heals. He's trying to try to bring poverty upon us, but we know our provider. Come on. He's going to try to bring fear on you, but we know who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on. Hallelujah. They had opposition. In fact, they were opposed so greatly, they at one point had to have one sword in a hand and a trowel in the other while they built the wall. That's how bad it got. And let me tell you something, church. The devil is coming after us, and you might have to live in such a way that you've got one hand on the sword, which is the word of God, and one hand on the trowel, which is you working for the kingdom of God. Come on. And it's going to take some perseverance some people who've got some gumption and some tenacity. Some people who aren't afraid to say, I see there's no trail and I'm ready to blaze one. You know, anybody can walk among a trail that's already been blazed. But it takes special people to blaze a trail. Are you special people today? I think you are. I think you are. You wouldn't be here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over the years, I've had many people tell me, when you get a building, let me know. This was back before we came to the ark and we were meeting in a clubhouse and they'd say, when you get a building, let me know. You know what happened when I got a building? I didn't let them know. You can guess why. Come on. When you get a this, when you have a that, when you have an open, when I can sing on Sunday morning, when I can play the piano, when I can preach, when I can whatever, whenever, whenever. You know what? We need some people who are willing to blaze a trail. For every person who's up there, there's got to be a whole bunch of people out there doing something for God that isn't getting all the glory. Come on. Come on. The kind of thing where... Uh, down here on earth, people are watching me online, and they, they're thinking this is my church, and they know my name. It's up there on the, on the screen, and they see that. But you know what? In heaven, you know what they see? They see the grandmas that are praying. They see the young people that are representing Christ in the schools. They see the people who are volunteering back there with the kids. Hallelujah. They see the people who love the babies and are working in the nursery. They see it all, and that's where their hand claps are going. That's where their praise and honor is going. They fought to overcome. Yeah, people will look at us and say, it ain't much. People who come visit our church, and there'll be people right now who will say, well, it ain't much. Remember what it used to be over there at the Ark when you had all that big old giant building? And I say, yeah, and the electric bill was $3,000 a month. <laughs> Remember when you had all those people on Easter? Yeah, those, those 300 people, that was just wonderful. 400 people on Easter was so great, and they didn't come back the next Sunday. That always 
puzzled me. Free food and eggs, I guess. You remember, remember those good times the way it was? Listen, those were great times. Those were amazing times. Well, they might look at us right now and they might say, look at that building. Look at that group of people. It ain't much. Remember what it used to be, but I don't care what people say. I care what God says. And God says in Haggai chapter 2, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, church, declares the Lord. Be strong. Be strong, all you people, declares the Lord, and work for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says in a little while. I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. For the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Hallelujah. God's going to bring whatever silver and whatever gold needs to come. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. I'm here to tell you that this was a message for the Jews during their time, and this is a message for our church today. God is saying, yes, there was beautiful times in the past. Yes, there was amazing things that I did in the past. Yes, there was a beautiful building and a beautiful structure and all of these things. And you may look around and say, what about the way it once was? God is the one who is saying, don't despise small beginnings because it is through a seed that God grows something amazing. Hallelujah. And God is about to grow something in our midst today. It won't be for my glory and it won't be for your glory, but it'll be for God's glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.